Jennings, and this is a Kiwi original. Today on the show, Stephanie Fry, co-founder of Ideal Cup. The Ideal Cup being more than the coffee or tea you love, but it's actually about what happens to the cup after you've enjoyed your tasty beverage. Ideal Cup is driven by being better for the environment for coffee shops and cafes around New Zealand. But here's the backstory. Stephanie had run her own coffee shop, so knew firsthand how many single-use coffee cups they were sending to landfill. Her and her husband, Nick, did the numbers for single-use coffee cups for the whole of New Zealand and found the scale of waste quite shocking. So they decided to do something about it, and three years later, they had launched a first prototype of what would become the ideal cup. In this episode, we talk about that journey and then what has happened next. Fascinating chat with Stephanie and an amazing vision and purpose-led organization. Let's take a listen. My first question, Steph, is actually going to take you all the way back to an entirely different business that you were involved with. Back in 2008, so we're talking 12, 13 years ago, what was Celsius Coffee doing and what was the the moment that actually opened your eyes to to what was going on and in your role in that sure look I'm, I'm grateful for that because it's always good to start back at the beginning and and where everything came from so um we've been on this path for a long time and it's it's really nice to be able to share the story so um we actually started our coffee roastery in 2004 uh, but obviously it's pretty fledgling business got underway and um doing business and then it was about four years into the journey we realised that perhaps we did um, want to make some changes to make us a bit more unique in a very, very competitive market space. Um, but there was just something that kept chipping away in the back of our minds that, um, you know, we wanted to do different but we we felt um, ethically there was more we could be doing uh, to support the industry, support the growers and to um, do better really. And uh, we were early adopters of the fair trade movement. And when we started roasting the coffee, we went for 100% organic fair trade coffee and we became a licensed fair fair trade coffee roaster. Um, We were the first to do that in Wellington. Um, In fact, probably one of the first in New Zealand. And it really set our path for what was then to come. And I, I think about a year after we started roasting the fair trade coffee and really getting into that whole side of um, understanding more about our impact, um, we decided that we wanted to do more again and we looked at carbon neutrality. And again, that was something very early adopting at the time. Uh, There was a new land care research carbon zero program that had launched and um, we're quite competitive and so we decided we wanted to be the first in New Zealand to be a carbon neutral coffee company. So we set about um, doing that certification, which um, in hindsight was a massive chunk to um, bite off. Uh, the elephant was enormous and we tried to eat it all in one bite. And um, But I tell you what, it was certainly worth it in the long run. We became carbon neutral and ironically at the time I think it fell on deaf ears for the most part sustainability was very early in um, the dialogue and people just really didn't quite grasp what the whole thing meant and what it was set to do um, going forward but we persevered we thought no this is our journey this is our DNA this really resonates with us and um, this is what we want to be doing for our business 
So as part of that carbon neutrality, we had to be audited and we had to show what we were doing and then, of course, how we could do better. And one of the obvious things that we were doing in a coffee business was not only using single-use coffee cups ourselves, but selling them to our cafe customers. Um, and we looked at the numbers that we were contributing to landfill and we were just astounded and quite horrified, really. And then when we started doing more research and figuring out what the national impact and then the global impact of single-use coffee cups was, we thought, no, this isn't good. This is something we could potentially look to change. Um, and it was about then the twinkle in the eye for my husband. Um, he said, look, I think we should look at a reusable cup option. And I, I said, look, fine, babe, go for it. Um, start seeing what's out there. And so Nick set about doing research to see what was available in the market at the time. And um, there wasn't really a lot. There were imported products, but only few and far between. They weren't very good quality. And we just weren't satisfied that the solution was there. Um, so number eight, fencing wire mentality. He said, I can do something better. So um, it's probably a three-year love affair. Um, Part-time, Nick was still in the fire service full-time. Um, we were running Celsius Coffee. We were starting a cafe. Um, we had a young child. So there was a lot going on at the time. Um, so it was a bit of a hobby sort of um, pipe dream, if you will, with the cup. Uh, but Nick persevered and he was determined that he was going to develop something that was going to change the face of reuse in um, the coffee industry. In about three years, as I say, um, he said, I think I've got it. And he showed me this prototype and um, I said, well, let's do it. And we found a little manufacturer, um, a tooling manufacturer engineer in Porirua in Wellington. And he made us a tool and he started making some cups for us. And we were ready to go to market. Um, we sort of really were finding our way at this point and, and feeling our way. And um, we were getting ready to launch, if you will. We had some interest and we were starting to test the market and get out there. And about three months before we were about to launch, um, the Keep Cup from Australia launched into Australia and New Zealand. Um, and, of course, that just, you know, took our feet out from under us. Um, they saturated the market and they were the, the big thing, the big talking point for sustainability and reuse and this cup that had come into the market that um, was going to change the face of sustainability in the coffee industry. So, of course, we, um, we shed a few tears, but we um, aren't ones for sitting back and going, well, that's the end of that journey. We went, no, you know what, this is an opportunity for us to revisit what we've done, make it the best we can possibly make it and go to market and tell our story and tell our um, DNA about New Zealand made and about why we're doing this and about how we want to make impact in Aotearoa. So we kept going and we kept forging forward and what we found was about a year into that journey, um, people who had bought the Keep Cup, not all of them, but a lot of them, had then heard about us and then they were saying, oh, I'm not sure if that product's what we thought it was going to be and we'd like to try yours. So that's about when we started getting a sense that we had an opportunity here in New Zealand that people were starting to get ready to take the sustainable journey and to understand a bit more what was going on. So um, that's the long version. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot for me to unpack there. <clears throat> yes. If I've heard you you right, there was sometime in the early 2000s, you and your husband had a almost like a, like a purpose shift that you were successful in, in roasting and decided we should pay the people who are providing us the beans 
a fair amount and fair trade was the mechanism to do that. So that then gave you the story of of the liquid that was going to go in the cup. Then secondly, from there, you thought, well, let's look at what our emissions are. And if we can reduce or zero rate our emissions, then that's going to um, future-proof our business and give us another layer of the story. And actually the ideal cup part, that's, that's the third ring, isn't it? Is, yeah, yeah, and the irony, I guess, is that with well, no, let me say first that Ideal Cup has become the big sister now. It's become the overall company um, that is our our biggest and core focus. We still have Celsius Coffee, and we still operate that successfully. And we're based here in Motueka in the Tasman region, where we absolutely love being. My husband was born here; that's why we ended up here, um, and. Um, we're still very happy with what we've achieved with Celsius Coffee, but we wouldn't have, Ideal Cup wouldn't exist if we hadn't done that journey with Celsius. So, you know, sometimes we we look back on Celsius and think, did we do enough with that business? But then when we look at holistic um, viewpoint, then, yeah, we've we've taken a whole journey and it's, and it's been steps along the way to get us to this point. What would be some of the, uh, the challenges or, or learning opportunities for moving from a service business to a product business? Um, how long have you got, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I tell you what, there's there's some cynicism and sarcasm there, but I'm sure every SME and business owner um, has stories to tell and we've got our fair share. Um, challenges, I guess um, initially our challenge was um, getting market share, I guess, with the moving from, um, well, sorry, I'm, I'm probably rambling a bit. I want to step back because the coffee business to us was, uh, it's a product business, um, obviously with a service that went hand in hand with supporting our cafe customers, as well as our business customers that we supplied coffee to. Um, so then having a tangible product going to market, I guess it was um, not having that experience and having to scale and um, marketing that product and in a whole new space where people still didn't really understand what sustainability was. So we were feeling our way as we went. But also one of the key challenges with the sustainability journey and being such early adopters was finding the materials and the things that we needed in order to be able to move forward because they weren't readily available in the market. So we were kind of creating things as we went along to support what we were trying to do. So I guess in what that's resulted in is a much slower journey than perhaps if you decided one day I'm going to roast coffee and I'm going to be aggressive and go on the market and sell coffee or um, I'm going to make a cup and I'm going to make it in China, I'm going to bring it here, it's going to be cheap and I'm going to just push really hard to market. Um, the sustainable journey is a lot slower, it's got a lot more steps and a lot more considerations along the way in terms of um, the circular economy and the product stewardship and the materials you use and how they can be repurposed at the end of their life cycle, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, there's kind of a, a whole lot of challenges that all blend into one. I hope that made sense. Uh, it did. I remember when the, those first uh, reusable cups came out and there was, there was this, yes, we need to do this. Um, I can't believe that you know, we've been talking about sustainability, yet we all walk around in Wellington and there's a cup and we're going to throw it out. But there was some resistance, wasn't there? And it wasn't from the public, it was from baristas. Yeah, so you're absolutely right there initially. So we encountered that a little bit, although um, I'm fairly, um, 
mm-hmm. assured in what I'm doing. I'm not prepared to put myself out there and promote a product or something I staunchly believe in and I'm passionate about unless I feel that I can convert people's um, psyche and get them to understand. So we did have some pushback, but I very quickly put that to bed and explained, um, you know, the the A to Z of, of what we were trying to achieve. Um, and I think also having made a product that was standardised in size really helped our um, argument with baristas because a lot of them, the argument was more that they found them a pain in the butt to deal with because they were such different sizes and they didn't fit under the group heads and just different materials and things. And it was just like, oh, really, do we have to deal with this? But once we showed them that actually ours is based on a 12-ounce cup and it's got line markings for shorter pores, goes under the group head, and that they stack just the same as your takeaway cups on the coffee machine and easy, easy to implement. They're like, mm, can't really argue, can we? So um, that was kind of easily put to bed, but probably one of the bigger challenges we faced, which is one of the things we still talk to today, but I think we've moved through it for the most part, is, um, of course, when plastics started getting bashed. Now, um, we chose to make our product out of a lifetime reusable plastic, and um, I'm a strong and very passionate advocate of plastic in so far as lifetime reusable plastic. Let's say Tupperware, um, Graham Care bowls, anything from your childhood that is in your mum's cupboard or in your cupboard still, like I still have some Tupperware from God knows how long, um, which can be reused for a lifetime and is made to last and designed so well that it will last the distance. And then at the end of its useful life, it can be repurposed into something else. So. Plastics, when it became a big thing, even just a couple of years ago, banning the plastic bags in supermarkets, of course, it's just the word plastic. Emitting putting single-use plastic in front of the dialogue often causes confusion. So we've had a lot of pushback over the years. Why did you make it out of plastic? And um, we chose plastic because, obviously, um, it's a very strong and durable product. It was accessible to us to make a product in New Zealand out of a plastic material. Um, we absolutely adamantly wanted to make it in New Zealand. We didn't want to manufacture offshore and import. It's not what our um, journey was. So choosing plastic made sense to us. And let's face it, if you look at pretty much everything you come into contact with during your day, your phone, your car, your dishwasher, everything has plastic componentry. So we're all exposed to it across so many, such a myriad of um, products in our life. So single-use plastic, couldn't agree more. Got to go. It's not ideal, and um, we strongly advocate to remove single-use plastics from mainstream consumerism. But, yeah, the argument about plastics um, and then um, once competitors come in the market, they pick up on that and, and use that as a, um, a bit of a opportunity to sort of try and turn against the product that we have but um you know i think we've been able to mitigate that through education and facts and being really transparent about what we have and what we're doing now you've also got a a unique differentiator there that it's not just a cup is it that it's it's actually a, a billboard i was thinking about this that it's a it's a drinkable billboard you can use it if you're a corporate as a as a brand or you could use it as something where you could use it for fundraising with um, a logo of the organisation or the charity that you want to fundraise on. Um, how has that been yeah. taken up within New Zealand? Oh, look, I tell you what, Ryan, we've been so grateful for the support uh, from Kiwi businesses that we've had over the years. 
We originally started with a retail product that we could brand with a generic pretty picture or image that we could then provide to cafes and retail stores to sell. We still do a lot of that, but for the most part, our business has been sustained through corporate and wholesale support, um, custom branding, um, anything from 100 cups to 50,000 cups, depending on the client. Obviously, the 50,000 cup orders are the um, few and far between orders, but we are um, certainly engaged with some really amazing partnerships with some pretty awesome businesses across Aotearoa. Uh, we've done quite a bit of work offshore now too with clients in um, Canada and the US and the UK. And um, it's, it is it's the perfect mechanism to showcase a brand and for the business to showcase their support of sustainable initiatives um, to either provide a product to their staff so they can be more sustainable or, um, you know, use it for an event that they're hosting to showcase their commitment to sustainability and reducing single-use waste to landfill. So um, we've, we continue to have a, a, a really strong uptake of um, branded product, which is great. Um, but one of the things, um, obviously, that that's led us to thinking about over the last couple of years is we just keep making more and more and more cups out of virgin material, more and more and more, and then we're just making more and more cups. And, you know, they're designed for a lifetime of reuse, which is great. But we, we started thinking, like, how, what's the next step? And that next step was incorporating recycled content into the cups. So we're not just creating virgin product, we're creating recycled content product that can then be recycled at the end of its useful life, but also our cups can be sent back to our manufacturer, ground down and made into new product. So um, one of the things that, um, oh, I'm, I'm segueing into something completely new here. I hope that's okay. Um, but one of the things that we're now doing is incorporating recycled content into the manufacture process. And uh, this is also something that's really appealing to organisations because, you know, it's another layer that they can support. And with that, we uh, became Environmental Choice Certified. So basically, the Environmental Choice Certification acknowledges that as a product, you are the most environmentally preferred product in your category or your industry in New Zealand, as endorsed by the New Zealand government. So there's really strict criteria. It's not something you can do overnight, and it's not something that you can just throw them a few facts and figures and they go, yeah, great, here's the tick. Um, you, you have to um, lay it all out, and you've got to give them every single facet of your business, right down to the nano amount of ink that we put on a print on a cup and what the difference of the virgin cup or the, the pre-cup and then the printed cup is in terms of weight. And so they have very strict criteria. And so we had to meet a very strict criteria in order to receive that environmental choice certification. So one of the things we do now is any cup that contains recycled content gets a manufacture date put on it. So we can trace that back and it's got full traceability and it shows the date it was manufactured on. Um, and that's something that our manufacturer buys into. Um, they're just 10 minutes down the road from us in Lower Hutt in Wellington. And they're fully on board with our sustainable journey and they do an awful lot for us above and beyond just making a cup to commit to our sustainable initiatives and our commitments to our environmental choice certification. There's a lot more I could talk on with that, but um, it's probably <laughs> something that people may want to go offline and have a look at. The New Zealand-made Kiwi trademark is relied upon by over 1,500 New Zealand businesses to gain a market origin advantage 
in the markets they operate, both domestically and internationally. Check to see if the good, service or software that you make is eligible at buynz.org.nz. If Buy New Zealand Made wanted to get a branded cup made out of as much recycled material as possible, what are some of the considerations that that I'd need to think about in the in the design and the choice of that product? Yeah, well, look, um, I guess at the end of the day, the considerations for, and the onus falls on us more than you as a client. Um, so if you said to us, Steph, I want to get 100 Buy New Zealand made cups printed with the Buy New Zealand logo and so we can give them out for gifts at an event, let's say. And obviously we want to, um, where we can, use um, as much recycled content as possible. The limitations are that the recycled content available to us is limited. Um, it's not readily available in New Zealand as much as we'd like it to be. So um, we cap at the moment at a maximum of 50% recycled content in the cups. And that's simply so we're not overcommitting ourselves. Um, we've done testing with the cups. We can go up to 90% recycled content and still have the integrity of the product, which is phenomenal. Uh, but of course, if we can't get enough material to incorporate 90%, um, so that's a bit of a moot point. So we're, we're sort of, it's early days with the recycled content. We're putting in, we're trying to um, commit to a minimum 10% and a maximum 50%. And as we get more access to material, we will increase the amount that we put in. Um, so I guess in terms of what you asked me, um, we would at the time discuss with you what product we have available that can fulfil your desires in terms of a recycled content product. And in terms of the the look and feel, are there options around colour with the recycled or you get what is the recycled colour of the plastics? Um, that's a really great question because um, if we put more recycled content in of certain colours, it can dictate what colour the cup will be, which generally would be black. Um, if it's less recycled content, then we can still manipulate the colour um, with the um, with the injection of the colour that we put in during the manufacture process. Um, interesting that you've brought that up because I want I can even show you this cup here. You can see it's sort of a buttery goldy colour. Yeah. Now if this was made out of do you know the um, ice cream containers, much more ice cream and brands such as, um, that may just be a local one, I'm not sure, but a gold colour ice cream container. This is made from the, what they call skeleton of their offcuts of their ice cream containers. Mm. We get that, it's ground down into raw material, then it's injected and it gave us these cups. So this is a 50% recycled cup that's made out of those containers. And we've just used a, a white powder or a clear powder base. So we've kept the colour to showcase that. Another example is we've got probably a tonne of raw material that's sitting up at our manufacturers, which is cups that we've made over the years or over the last few years, which perhaps were made for customers. Colour run was wrong. We put a print on it, but it wasn't right. Whatever the case, we send those back to them, they grind them down and then sit on that ready to put that into our recycled content. Because what we're trying to do is use clean virgin material, not post-consumer product that we don't know what's happened to the cups. You know, someone might have one of our cups and spend a year drinking coffee out of it and then be down at the farm and go, oh, that's the perfect size for me to mix my pesticide in. 
and then perhaps throw it in the recycling or send it back to Ideal Cup because that's our mission possible statement, send it back, we'll take care of it. But we don't know what's been in it. So we're a little bit gun-shy about incorporating post-consumer product back into cups. So at the moment, we're using clean slash virgin recyclate in the cups to make them, um, which does limit us in terms of what we can get. So if we have these off-runs or off-colours or misprints, that's great because we can put them straight back in. They've been made, they're wrong, they go round back in. Um, so it's challenging. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. Everyone wants to get their hands on this sort of recycle. So, you know, we're fighting in a market. Uh, but we just do what we can do as we can do it. And it's, um, I think it's it's only going to get better. And the, the percentage of recycled material will only get higher as we get more savvy about where we can source material from. One question I want to ask about, and I, I do this across a number of their interviews, because last year was such an out-of-the-box year, um, <laughs> what what did that mean for uh, a business like yours that I'm thinking is really driven by having cafes open, having people working from offices and wanting to do the right thing, and now people are working from home, making coffee at home, or, or maybe visiting a local cafe when we got to level two? Um, yep. what, what did that mean for what you could focus on and, and what, what stopped happening that you wish didn't stop? Yeah. Um, yeah. Last year. Tell you what, it's one of those, oh, my God, it was horrific, but, man, we learned so much and so much um, opportunity and positivity out of the downtime we had. So, yep, pretty much the handboat went straight on for us. Um, reusable cups. It was like uh, cafes, chat. Yeah, it was a bit frightening. Um, the, the sad part: the revenue went three months of zero, and we had some big orders in the pipeline, events, all sorts of things, which got cancelled. Um, and it was scary. It was really scary because you're constantly thinking, "What if this thing comes back?" And oh my god, you know, this is our whole livelihood, and. We decided that once we'd done all the stuff we could do in terms of um, planning, wage subsidies, supporting our staff, making sure we kept the business alive, um, what can we do? And so what we did was environmental choice certification because we knew that that was going to be months and months of work. And it's one of those things that we would have done anyway, but I think we got it done a lot quicker than we probably would have because we had the time to focus on it. And it gave Nick in particular, he's the He's the guy that does the deep dives and all the, the real nitty-gritty stuff. He, environmental choice, you know, I salute him as my husband and the guy that did that because it never would have happened if I'd done it. You can tell I'm the face of the business. He's the behind-the-scenes guy. And I think it gave him a really good distraction. And it's just given us, uh, COVID gave us a real good opportunity to stop and think, how can we protect ourselves moving forward um, as best we can with the unknown of COVID and, uh, you know, what? where do we need to focus this business moving forward? So um, some of it's commercially sensitive. I can't go into great details, but what it's done is it's given us a really clear path forward and it's helped us make some decisions that we've been humming and hurrying about. So um, still a lot of risk because one of the things we do, which 
you kind of alluded to, lots of people at work and things, is we've got a, a what we call cup cycling. It's our cup swap model that people can go into a cafe, borrow a cup, drop it back. You would have heard of again, again. I, I love that, that particular way, because it means that I don't need to remember my cup. And if I've exactly. forgotten my cup, there's a new one there waiting for me. Yeah, so in 2017, we launched Cup Cycling. We were the first to do anything like it in New Zealand. We like to lead. We like to continue to grow and lead in the space we're in. Um, and we ha- we've we got 118 cafes around New Zealand who are part of our network. Um, well, that, that was pre-COVID. Um, we lost an awful lot of cafes during COVID, which is understandable. Some closed their doors. Others just decided we're not sure if we want to continue doing this, at least till we feel more confident that the virus is gone for the time being, whatever. So it also gave us time to focus on how we were going to drive that forward and how we were going to make change to support cafes and, and make it a little bit more of a solid, reliable platform. Prior to COVID, the model ran on a pay a $5 bond once and get access to cups nationwide. But of course, there's the whole, if people don't bring the cups back, managing the fleet of cups and ensuring that they keep moving. So we've um, used the time during COVID also to develop a whole new level of our model, which is going to include an app. So we're adding tech to the model and it's going to all be done by a QR scan because everyone knows how to use that now. Um, Thank you, COVID. That's the only good thing that's come out of it. Um, And the cups will be self-managed by customers because essentially they download the app, you put in a credit card number. So if after 30 days you don't return the cup, you get charged for it. So you scan it out, then you scan it back in, and they're self-managed, then the fleet will keep moving. There'll be the occasional person that will go, I don't care if I get charged 12 bucks, but it won't happen very often. And we'll have this network that just keeps turning over. Um, I really, really like that. Yeah, we're launching in March. That's, we're aiming for March. We're just, it's a very busy time at the moment. It's very exciting. Um, And we've got a new partnership, which is, launching with a very large industry player, um, hopefully March, it's all earmarking, and that'll see us growing our network by about 500 cafes initially across New Zealand who will all be doing this. So it's going to be free for the customer to use, so apart from you know the commitment to putting in your credit card number, you don't pay any money to use it. One monthly membership charge for the cafe, which is significantly low, and they get everything they need up front, they're going to save money after 100 cup swaps in their cafe because, you know, that's the break-even point for the monthly fee and then more money again having not purchased single-use cups. So it's a commitment to sustainability, it's a commitment to wanting to make change and support their customers to make change and it's going to save their business money and it's just a win-win-win. So, um, you know, it's it started as a um, social impact project that we started here in Motueka and we did it for free across the whole network, uh, all the cafes. Um, and then we suddenly got traction, other regions going, we want it, we want it, we want it. And we've kind of massaged the models over the years and this is the new version. And I think what it's going to do is just change the face of the whole cup swap idea. But not only that, we're not just stopping at cups, we're making the app suitable for any reusable product. So you can then implement a swap container for food. So this, the app's going to be called the Swapper app, um, which will then operate cup cycling and potentially a reusable bowl or a lunch container. So, you know, there's endless opportunity. And I think once we start seeing this sort of thing happening, I know that 
competitors are looking at the same thing. It's going to become mainstream and then it's going to be bedded in and it's going to be the way we do things here in New Zealand. And it's going to take time. It's going to take a few years, but, you know, we, we're really excited to really be leading again and seeing this space really open up and getting people on board. I, I really like it because it changes the or it aligns behavior. So as a, as a business, you want to sell lots of your cups, but you also know that by selling and making cups, there's actually more material that's out there. Whereas exactly. when you create this network, you're increasing utilization on a per cup. So now you don't need to sell so many cups. You're not driven by cup sales. You're driven by number of cafes that are using your system. And at yeah. some point there'll be a, that, that well, it's, it, you're leading it now actually, where that past of the early adopter and the innovator going, I care about the environment, look what I bought, own, and drink from. Now it will be, this is just the easy, better choice for the cafe because it's lower cost. And for the mm -hmm. consumer, they're not going there for a cup. They never were. They were going there for the caffeine, no. the chat, the coffee. It's a yep. thing in the cup. So it's changing the whole dialogue and getting people, you know, just just putting that wedge in and getting them to stop and go, yes, exactly what you said. It's you're going for the drink and the chat and the and this is now the new normal. Just like when Jacinda said, no more supermarket bags. We all conformed and went to reusable bags, and that's just normal now. It's completely normal. And you know, it took the lovely PM to say, this is what we're doing. Um this is going to start becoming, um, I mean, they've made declarations that they're going to stop single-use this, that, and the other thing by 2025. Uh, they didn't include single-use cups, which was interesting uh, because they're a little bit shy of talking around compostable because there's a lot happening in the compostable space. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, we're still very much for a reusable option simply because Compostable is great, yes, if you've got the facilities to support it, but it's still a single-use linear model for the sake of a linear model um, when you can actually remove that entirely and just have a reuse model. And the reuse model can also tie into a container deposit scheme as well. You know, you can set up different facilities to collect different sorts of products. And we, we would like to move it into that space eventually where we can become part of a container deposit, but that's a whole other ballgame, so let's not go there right now. But, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It is exciting. And... Um, I think um, the, the trouble is we have so many great thoughts of what we should, well, not should be, but what we could be doing, and we have to sort of rein ourselves back and go, no, blinkers on, focus on this, let's make this happen and do it well, and then next. We've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> yes, we have. What uh, or who, for those who are listening, would be the, the people that you would want to be introduced to, connected with, or the resources that you need as a business or the people that you would like to bring on the journey? Oh, that's a big question. Um, yeah, I think um, one of the things for me is specifically tech and marketing are an area that we don't have great strength in. We work with an incredible PR company who does our marketing with us as well, and they're very good at what they do. But in terms of creating our storyboard and also incorporating the tech side of things. That's something that we could really do with help. Um, we're working with a great company as well for our app. Um, and I'm sure all of this will sort of eventuate, but 
just having some insight, I think, from people that have been doing stuff in those spaces and um, maybe it could expedite our journey. I also think that there's opportunities for organisations to consider things like our corporate cup cycling model. Uh, we've, we've worked with BNZ, New Zealand Post. Um, we're currently in talks with another big New Zealand company implementing um, a corporate model where they can integrate the reusable cups into the corporate model instead of single-use cups. So there's always huge opportunity for discussions and dialogue with um, heads of sustainability in corporate environments um, about how we can be a part of that. It's a super cost-effective solution, which, again, perpetuates the use of the cups that we give them rather than more and more and more cups and not giving staff cups as a gift that they then go, oh, that's great, and then leave it at home. It's something that integrates into the business and it reduces their impact, reduces their costs of removing waste. So those are the sorts of things that really push my buttons, having those conversations with those people and and not necessarily, uh, don't get me wrong when I say this, talking to procurement because they're very important in a business, but talking to the people that are responsible for making those sustainable decisions and setting those roadmaps for their business and getting in at the early piece. And, and I think we've seen success with those environments that have taken us into the fold when they've been resetting their sustainability drivers. And um, I know that there'll be quite a number of people in, in the by New Zealand made in the wider audience that are in those positions. And it would be really great to have those dialogues because I think a lot of them don't realise that there are solutions for the corporate environment as well. And we're doing it really well and it's really easy. I hope that answers that question. It, it does. And if there's people listening that, that come from that uh, large corporate and maybe there's a cafe or a espresso machine within the floor or the building, yeah. that's the type of place where you can move them to more of a um, cyclical, reusable yep. network way of doing the cups. And then the second area I have there is the the tech and the marketing. And what I kind of read between the lines there is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you've got this new concept and you need a way of uh, storytelling for the consumer and for the cafe around to share why this is just as easy. The friction part is just as simple. Is that have I in, yeah. have I read between yeah, the lines? I think you have run. I mean, we've got a fairly sound point of sale, if you will. Um, but yeah, I think just getting that broader understanding out to, to everyone. I, I often have these thoughts that there must be somewhere you can go and stand in New Zealand high enough up that you can talk to the whole nation. <laughs> it's ridiculous to say, but, you know, just it, being able to get that voice out there and make it something that everyone wants to be able to tell rather than... Um, can I pay you $10,000 to do a campaign for me? You know, I just want to connect with uh, people that want to share the sustainability message. Because ultimately, a lot of what we do doesn't actually make us revenue. <laughs> my time, my passion and what I do every day is more educating. And, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I open my mouth, I'd probably be really wealthy now, but <laughs> I'm not sure how many people listen. But. Yeah, and I just think it would be, it, we need to collaborate more. And so um, having people that have that savvy and that ability to get that out there for the better good of everyone is, I guess, more what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That is the struggle for many of us. When I started at Buy New Zealand Made, I wished I could find that mountain as well to just tell everyone at once. Uh, but the problem was that 
Even if I told everyone, it wouldn't change behavior. It's quite expensive in terms of time and effort to change someone's mind, right? And so I made a decision back then that I wasn't gonna try and change minds. I was going to do the best possible job for the people who were already manufacturers, who were already license holders. And if that job worked, then they would tell the others. And that story would be real to them, not me, but I would give them just enough so that they would tell others, well, this is what it's meant for us. So those 1200 businesses then did tell the others, particularly through COVID, and that got it to the next stage. And I think where you're at is that same precipice from uh, going from people who love sustainability as it's a, it's a thing to it's actually not the people who are gonna buy that next part of the journey. They're buying for completely separate reasons. And the hard part is then shifting that to what are the new reasons? So like with NZ Made, to start with, it was around quality and pride and belief. Now it's about supply chains, guaranteed. Uh, we can employ more people here because jobs are, are more under threat. And there's a different yes. set of attributes. And I wonder what they are for Ideal Cup with your new network. Yeah. And um, oh, look, you couldn't have said it more succinctly and maybe in a couple of years time, I'll be able to as well. Um, and I, I mean, I should have started with this. It goes without saying, having this opportunity to do this podcast and, and be a part of the Buy New Zealand Made family is just beyond thrilling for us. The, the irony is we've been banging on about our New Zealand Made identity from the get go and where it's absolutely firmly eat, sleep and drink this stuff our DNA and so finally getting around to going oh let's stick the logo on and be a part of this family um, and having the connections and I'm really looking forward to um, being able to dig deeper and, and make more connections in, in the family and I think you're absolutely right it's it's a different thing now from what it was here's a reusable cup it's exciting let's put that in the market it's now it's 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 not even about the cup anymore it's and it's funny I heard um Stasia from Lily B and her podcast say it's not even about the product and I think we're very much on the same journey it's not about that anymore it's about the journey and it's about the overbearing holistic sustainability um, and about caring for our community and our environment and and people and what we're all doing collectively so yeah um, it's, a, it's a very interesting and curious space to be in and, and I love that it just keeps sort of it's like a flower it just keeps blossoming layers I love that phrase and I appreciate your time and your generosity in sharing the Ideal Cup story uh, to date and what you're doing to contribute to New Zealand's future uh, by reducing waste and, and doing things in a, a different way and being courageous about it. What you uh, and your husband Nick, have been doing, uh, I think is worthy of plenty of praise, but not too much because- there's the next level of the journey to go, right? The, yeah. you've, you've succeeded, it's viable, it's success, but the tech bit is the whole, it's never ending with business. So good luck yeah. on that journey in 2021. And I look forward to scanning in at my local cafe on Willis Street in Wellington and using the Ideal Cup swap recycle service. Thank you, Ryan. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. As I said to Hugo earlier, <laughs> who doesn't like talking about themselves? <laughs> it's great to um, have this opportunity. Thank you. And um, yeah, 
go buy a New Zealand made. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. That's it for another episode of A Kiwi Original. Remember to subscribe on the podcast or on YouTube to receive the next episode. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you think could benefit. See you next time. One of the big things we had right from the start was we're going to push that it's New Zealand made. New Zealand made? carries a lot of weight outside New Zealand. People don't realize that. Well, you're by New Zealand and uh, we were really motivated by your professionalism at the outset when we first contacted you and that gave us the confidence to reach out to the rest of the New Zealand community to support this. We'll get two, three, four, five inquiries every day from people and their only question is, are your products made in New Zealand? They don't want to know anything else. We knew there was demand in the market for a New Zealand-made product, firstly, a natural New Zealand-made product. We have got New Zealand-made. That was the first thing I signed up to. I was really proud of that. And um, you were very welcoming, so thank you, Ron. I think it's very, very important to sell in New Zealand as a New Zealand-made product. Originally, we were having to import components from overseas. It wasn't until we shifted to our carbon fiber model that we were able to say that the product was made in New Zealand and that was a huge, it was sort of a big goal for me. I wanted to have complete control over the manufacturing of it. Definitely it's something that we've been belonged to right from the beginning and it's just put trust, especially New Zealanders, into our product. We've noticed recently People have become so much more discerning about, they will upfront and say to you, is it really made here? And not have to rely on other countries and important components, especially in times like these, I'd, I'd, be, I'd have no stock. Being able to front up to that and show your logo and say, well, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that you have to have a license to show that logo. We have also New Zealand made on some of the other brands selling over overseas. And it's something that people are looking for. The little triangle has been a part of our brand for a long time. Is that a, an investment or is it a cost? You know, can, we, can we spend it given what's going on? Uh, no, it's actually good value for us. Yeah, we, we are a Kiwi company, we are proudly Kiwi. It instantly had a, a fruitful conversation without any dancing around or holding back or everything came out. And that was that was part of the, how, why it was so invaluable. And so the best way to do that is to, to join the Binance and Make campaign, right? So. I, as you will see on any of my social media, stuff, like, yeah, I put the Binance and Make logo. I'm classed on everything I can pass it on. But just being able to prove to people that it is New Zealand made and that we've got a story, that's great. You know, pretty proud to be able to do that.